This is the Alone With Our Principles podcast, episode 12. Can you describe the ruckus, sir? I'm Chris. And I'm Eric, and we are both elementary school principals in the Hesperia Unified School District in Southern California. In this episode, we talk with Chief Steve Inahos and Corporal Kevin Bacher of the Hesperia Unified School District Police Department about the role they play in our schools and in the community. Alone With Our Principles is sponsored by Monkey Bars. Whether it's a femur, humerus, clavicle, or tibia, Monkey Bars have been America's preferred source of broken bones since 1934. Don't mess with the bully, young man. You'll get the horns. You've got a real attitude problem, McFly. You're a slacker. So far this semester, he has been absent nine times. I'm the principal, man. All right. Well, welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for being here. Uh, You know, I know that, I think you said this is your first podcast, right? Mine, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, it's exciting to have you. And so, you know, we're, uh, we're very fortunate in this district to have have uh, our school police department and, and all the services and supports you guys provide to us, but especially this year, I know like the rest of us, your, uh, your, your roles have shifted quite dramatically, right? That's correct, yeah. We had to um, shift everything when it comes to responding to issues. Most all of our calls for service now are at homes yeah. instead of at the school sites. So we've gotten really up close and personal with the kids and their families at their homes. Yeah. Yeah, so before we get into any of the technical questions, any advice on getting out of speeding tickets? I mean, let's start with the important stuff. Yeah, let's, yeah, I like to start with the heavy-hitting questions yeah. right out of the gate. So the, the, we're, asking for, we're asking for our friends, you know, yeah. not, of course. Not for us. Yeah, we, so we, the short answer is just slow down. Well, right. <laughs> go ahead and but, slow but let's down. Say that, let's say you drive, I don't know, a Mustang or something like that, and it's just difficult to, uh, you know, to quote, um, to quote some <laughs> rock star, can't drive 55 with that, Ted Nugent? We're, Sammy, we're getting into the fact checking early. Sammy Hagar, there you go. Um, can't drive 55. So anyway, so should we make a mistake and get pulled over? Blame it good on strategy? your medical marijuana. My honest answer would be honesty is the best policy. Admit what you did was wrong and move forward. Whenever we make a traffic stop, we don't like to hear excuses or you know, a reason why you did what you did. Justify. Correct. Just admit what it is that you did because we saw it and don't lie about it. And if it's something that we can give you a a warning on, we're absolutely going to do it. If it's something we need to give you a ticket for, we'll do that as well. I may be the only one in the room that has gotten a warning from somebody in the room. It wasn't really a warning, but again, uh, I go <laughs> no, save that. You're, you're <laughs> not. Oh, okay. <laughs> you're not the only one in the room that has gotten a warning. Um, one of us in the room may have gotten a, a, a text photo of an infraction from somebody else in the room oh saying, gosh. I caught you, don't do this again. Oh, good. Perhaps. <laughs> I feel better about myself already. But again, there are so many things I try to do to not lose this job, and I learn something new every day that I can push that a little bit further. Oh, the envelope is way more pushable <laughs> than you think it is. Uh, but I got actually a warning um, from a, a trooper in Texas. I had, been in, I had been in Dallas for like an hour. We, were, we landed in Dallas, rented a car, and we were driving uh, north, and I was... And, got pulled right over and you know he, he just gave me a warning printed out like a little receipt um yeah and asked me what i was doing where i was going he said we literally just got here in texas and uh, we're california and he took pity on you that's what it was <laughs> wake up and smell the coffee mrs bueller 
All right, so that brings us to the next portion of our podcast, which we like to call the quiz, because it's pretty straightforward. There's three questions that we're going to ask each of you to respond to, if you don't mind. And uh, so I will start with the first one, and on Officer Bacher, maybe I'll start with you. How about a funny or memorable story from when you were in school? First one that comes to mind right off the top is I graduated from Fontana High School. So that was in 1997. So what I recall is is we all gathered into the, the stadium for our senior picture. This is like the one with the grandstand with yes, all the absolutely. seniors. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And everybody knows what uh, Fontana is notorious for. It's for the winds. So we had our Jostens camera guy get up on his 20-foot ladder to take a picture. And back then, there weren't that many high schools. So I think we had 12 or 1,300 graduates in my senior class. So he climbs up to this 20-foot ladder. And good old windy uh, Friday afternoon, the, the ladder just gets blown over. And I just remember seeing the Jostens guy go, <laughs> go flying off the 20-foot ladder. And I think he ended up breaking his leg. It, oh, he was geez. that high up. He was that high up to where uh, it, it did some damage. Oh, man. So when you ask me that question, that's just the first thing that stuck in my mind. And I can still see it today, clear as day. <laughs> you see him just slow, yeah, like oh, a yeah. slow motion, right? Absolutely. That's, that's the one that pops in my head. That's a good one. How about you, Chief? Funny story or memorable story from school? So mine, one of the ones, because I... School was kind of a blur because I was always goofing around. So one of them was that I had kind of a semi-girlfriend and during... Did she know she was a semi-girlfriend? No, it was yeah, I was like, mind. oh, wait. It was okay. in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> she was way out of my league. But just reminds me, there's a, a Mitch Hedberg's a comedian and one of his best lines is like, I don't have a girlfriend. I just know somebody who would be really mad if she heard me say that. <laughs> this is that one. <laughs> so for no good reason, I, I have a lollipop and I don't know why I had the lollipop that day and I put my arm around this girl and I was talking to her well the lollipop was getting tangled in her hair <laughs> and she didn't know it and when I discovered it what am I going to do she's going to think I'm a real dork now and you so had to just let go of the lollipop go, just right? go. exactly what I did the bell rings <laughs> and I, I just done. walked away from her so in the next passing period I see her they had to cut this out of her oh, out no. of her hair and, and she never knew where it came from she did exactly know who it was <laughs> Of course she did. <laughs> and um, it's funny because I, I know her to this day. She's a business owner in Apple Valley, and we laugh about that to this day. Yeah, but until this moment, did she know that she was considered the semi-girlfriend? She knows now because I told her, yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah. I guess that would be known as um, being a sucker for a pretty face. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get a rim shot. Yeah, we, we do need Carrie, a rim shot. Carrie, just hit the button. We need a rim shot. And speaking of Carrie, hi, Carrie, our fact checker who's with us as always. Hello, did we introduce gentlemen. Carrie? We did not. We, as, surprise, as, surprise. As, as is becoming a routine on Alone with Our Principal. We're kind of doing it on purpose now because it's just a thing. Right? Yeah, it's it was just, just you did not do it on we'll purpose. We'll introduce Carrie at random points during, during the podcast episodes. All right, our second question on the quiz is here is what's the best job that you've had outside of law enforcement uh so uh, corporate walker um i haven't had many jobs outside law enforcement but the first one that comes to mind is i worked at vaughn's when i was 18 okay. started off bagging groceries and then i worked my way up as as a liquor manager and believe it or not uh being the liquor manager at vaughn's was a good gig you're not old enough to to buy alcohol yet but you get to order everything you get to talk to all the customers that come in about all the special orders they want 
And that was a really interesting job because you learn a lot about alcohol. <laughs> so when the time came and I was 21 years old and I was actually able to buy alcohol, I knew quite a bit about alcohol. You were already a connoisseur. Absolutely. So uh, I was the bartender everywhere we went. I'm, I'm just chuckling right here that we're maybe five minutes into an interview with our school police officers and we've already mentioned marijuana and alcohol. <laughs> and speeding. <laughs> and speeding. Yeah. So, all right, uh, Chief, uh, what about you? The best job you've had outside of law enforcement? I don't know about the best, but... One of the funnest jobs I had was actually a lifeguard at a place called Lake Dolores. Okay. Out near Barstow. I remember that yeah. place. Yeah. It's a, got so, kind of a ghost town now, but it's still out yeah, there, right? And, and back then, it was, it was so much fun. I, I think I did that for five summers. But it was it was such a fun job. We had bands there on the weekends and just a great... One of the first water parks in California. And so everything was just cutting edge. All the uh, the stand-up slides, sit-down slides, the trams across the way. Things you couldn't get away with now, they did it out there. Corporal Bacher, how about a skill, talent, or hobby of yours that would maybe surprise us or surprise some of your colleagues? I wouldn't say that I have a lot of surprising hobbies, but one thing I do enjoy is fishing. Mm -hmm. I'm an avid uh, bass fisherman, and back when I was younger and I had a little extra time, I used to bash fish some tournaments. Um, now with the family and being married, I obviously don't have as much time as I did back then, but that's one thing I really enjoyed growing up was fishing. Where, where are some places around here that are good for bass fishing? Diamond Valley Lake. I live down the hill, so that's probably one of the premier spots, or even Lake Paris. Oh, okay. And then about once a year, we'll make a trip to Havasu when it's uh, not 110 degrees, and good fishing at Lake Havasu as well. The only thing I ever learned about fishing from my grandfather, I uh, lived in Florida, we'd go... Um, fishing all the time, uh, is when you catch your fish, you hold it out in front of you to make it that's right. bigger than it yes, is. That's right. Long arm it is what huh, they call yeah, it. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know there was an official term. Not that I do that ever. No, no, no. But that's what I heard. Absolutely. How about you, Chief? One of my favorite hobbies is surfing. And uh, a story to that, uh, two weeks ago I was in Oahu, and I've been over there five times, and I've never surfed Bonsai Pipeline. It's very dangerous surfing, very technical. And so this trip, I made sure I went out and surfed it, and I surfed it every day. And so it kind of took me over that hurdle of dropping in on these big waves where there's about this much water, about a oh my gosh. foot or two. And as you're dropping in, you can actually see the coral below you, so it kind of oh, takes your mind in another <laughs> Hence place. the name of the Bonsai Pipeline, yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah, it's not only that the ground is right there, but there's like razor-sharp edges that... Yeah. Do a lot of damage. I don't see any road rash, so no, like I did pretty well. well. I lived. Yeah. Anyone who walked in here, he was moving pretty well. Yeah. I'm impressed. I'd say I'd say it was a successful trip. Yeah, most of the week it was between uh, six and ten foot, so it was a good good week of surfing. Wow. We sink, we swim, we rise, we fall, we meet our fate together. All right, so now we'll move into our main topic for the day, which is basically um, the role of our school police department. I know Eric alluded to it a little bit earlier. Uh, we're really fortunate in Hesperia Unified to have our own. Uh, police department to, to meet our needs at our high schools, junior highs, and even at the elementary school level. Uh, so uh, if you could both talk a little bit about what the vision is for our department and how you see your role within the school district. Basically, we're here to create a safe environment for the kids, the parents, the staff of all of our schools. And with that, like we talked about earlier, now we are going to the homes. I mean, sometimes we go six, seven, eight times a day because of things that are going on in the homes that we either get called by a teacher, an administrator, or the parents. Say, hey, you got to come over and talk to my kid. Or somebody will call, for example, a kid will be holding a gun while he's on Zoom, oh, things like that. Yeah. And I can go into a bunch of stories that are even worse than that. But sure. 
So now we're actually going into the homes and we're doing what we call a wraparound service. Typically we get um, behavioral health involved, a company called Care Solice to make sure these kids are getting the service they need. As you guys know better than anybody, these kids are going through a lot of issues right now, a lot of challenges they're not used to. Hopefully we're helping out with that. Yeah, and, um, and Corporal Bakker too. And, you know, that's obviously during the pandemic, there's a lot of unique situations that come up. But let's let's think about before the pandemic struck or when we come back out of it, What uh, what's the role of our police, uh, police department in those settings? Back in, in normal days when kids are at school, our number one objective is, is safety on campuses and protection of uh, district property. And what we try to do with uh, officers when we hire them here is we want that officer to develop relationships with students and staff members so these kids understand that law enforcement isn't a bad thing and we are here for the kids and for the staff. So ultimately, we try to get uh, the support of the students and try to teach them uh, right from wrong and kind of mentor them through their uh, school age years. Ultimately, that's what our goal is. Do you have any examples of that? Either one of you, really. I mean, obviously, without using the students' names or whatever, but maybe a, a specific uh, case or a, an incident where you were able to make a positive impact? I think for me, since I've been here, I've been coaching at different schools, wrestling teams. And that's been my way to get next to these kids and actually give them good advice that they're not getting from older brothers, sister, parents, wherever. And in the, the wrestling setting, it's interesting because we constantly are going hands-on with these kids and sometimes we do something called the slaughter line. So if a teacher comes to us and says, hey, this kid's acting up in class, can you get next to him? So we put him in a slaughter line. So they start off. Right, we're going to need a little bit of a, or what, describe a slaughter line to us. I, it doesn't sound fun, but when you say slaughter line. So here's a slaughter line. We start off with the heaviest wrestler, and we make the kid go through every wrestler all the way down to the, the lightest kid. And by the time they get down a few weights, they're pretty tired, but we make them go and go and go, and we say, this is what you're going to get every time you act up in that classroom. You understand? Or every time you bully another kid, because guess what? This little kid just pinned you, and you've got 40 pounds on him, so no more bullying, and they, that clicks with them. Oh, I bet. Yeah. And now uh, you're both, I mean, obviously our school school police department uh, works with all levels of school. And obviously Eric and I know from being at the elementary level, what we usually um, ask for the support of our school police department on is typically different than what the middle schools or the high schools uh, deal with. Uh, what's your experience and how does the, how does the job differ uh, from level to level uh, for your department? Well, as far as uh, the younger kids... It's all about, uh, you know, I like to go off of a reward system. So they don't want to see a law enforcement officer and start to think bad things. We are actually here for good things as well. So we try to interact with the students, especially at an elementary level, and we want them to know that we are good and we're not here for just bad things all of the time. So we try to develop some type of reward system, especially now with the kids not being at the school sites. We try to get out with the administrators to the houses and reward them for their good behavior. Yeah. And Eric, what do you think? I know because we can speak from the elementary school perspective. How have you uh, we used uh, our school police department here uh, with some of your experience here? I think um, <clears throat> what you guys are talking about is, is extremely important, especially in the climate we're in right now. And I, I, I can imagine just how difficult it is for you guys to make that connection because we see kids very, very young that for one reason or another – 
they have been taught to believe that law enforcement is not good, is not here to help me. They're not here to support me, possibly because of experiences they've had in their own life with their own families, or they've just been taught that by people in positions of authority. Um, so I, I, before I answer your question, I was kind of curious. I wanted to ask a follow-up question, like, like just how difficult is that to, to do what you're doing, especially, I would say, maybe even at the secondary level, where some of these thought patterns are ingrained in kids, and they're, you know, they're young adults at this point, and they've decided, for whatever reason, that you're not on my side, you're not here to help me. And I was just curious about how, how difficult is it really to, to shift that mindset in, in kids' Today. I know well, what do you do to shift that mindset? Or what do you do? Because I know it's not just by telling a kid, I'm, I'm, I'm good, I'm here to help you. That's yeah. oftentimes not enough, right? It takes developing relationships, it takes a lot of time, or it takes you know being able to show them by, by what you do that, oh my gosh, he actually it does care about me, he is here yeah. to help me. Some of the things that the guys do, and, and they work magic with these kids in my opinion, um, they will ask the kid if they, whatever they've done wrong, would you like somebody to do this to your sister or your brother? And I, in my opinion, it brings them down to that level so that the kid actually thinks about that for a second and they typically go, no, I wouldn't want somebody to do that. I wouldn't want them to talk to my mom like that. So in my opinion, that gets them thinking about what they did wrong and it brings the officer down to their level in a, in a way and they, they can talk to them, relate to them, and the kids start to open up. It makes it real and you make it connected yeah. to something that they care about, something they love and value, a sibling, a parent, a family member. And to touch on that, it's obviously a lot easier to do when we see the students every single day in person. Now, when we're only dealing with these students once a month because we're on the distance learning program, that's a hard thing to accomplish in that short time period. Well, and I'll just tell you, know, I, everybody's background is different. I was raised to respect law enforcement. I haven't had to interact with law enforcement too much in my life. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I know when I was a new administrator, I, it was, it was kind of like when I was, when I either had to call on you guys or I was told by Mr. Loomis or somebody else that you need, you need to call them out. Um, I was, my first reaction was, Cops are here, right? <laughs> like, right. I'm just going to stand by the side and let them do what they got to do. Um, but uh, one of the things I've appreciated about our department is, is over the years, I've learned that that's, that's, not, that's not the expectation. The expectation is we're going to work together on this, right? right. And so I've really appreciated Officer Bacher. You were at our site before, um, and the several officers that come through here, I've always found that it was very much a collaborative relationship. It's like, you've got things you have to do in this situation. I've got things I have to do. But being able to share information or, um, you know, just work together on, and I've had officers tell me, well, what would you like to do, right? And so just feeling like I have a voice, it's like, it's not ultimate power. It's not about ultimate authority. I'm going to come in and sweep, swoop in and, and do X, Y, and Z. We want to work with you. You guys know, and, and officers have said to me, you guys know the kids best. You know this family. What do you think is going to help this family? What do you think? And, um, you know, we may not always be able to agree. We may not always be able to do what I think you should do as an officer. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I always felt like it's a very collaborative conversation. That's something that I appreciate. Yeah, we, we definitely do. And I know that when we've called in our school police officers uh, for student discipline or something, obviously it's got to be something, either uh, weapons or drugs or something like that, that even does show up at the elementary level, or if we have a student who's a repeat offender and we feel like, all right, they're not getting the message from the teacher or from the site administration, it's time for them to see that there is another level that's out there if they continue to push it. Um, but we do, uh, like, like you were saying, during, the, uh, during our distance learning, I know at our site we have uh, 
uh, one of the officers, one or two of the officers, go with us when we deliver lunch to our uh, from in and out burger again um, to our two students every week that they go out and, and do that. And and I know the families love seeing the officers in that context, and the kids do, and they get a certificate and all of that stuff. So the school police is is behind it, but it does lead to some some interesting situations. So I know that we've all got some pretty amusing, uh, or maybe it's just me, um, school police stories. But there's one that I wanted to kind of share from a couple of years ago. We had a second grader. And he was, he was rambunctious, to say the least. And there was one day that we had called Foster Dad to come pick him up. And Foster Dad was taking a little while to get there, so, so the student just decided he was going to bolt. He didn't leave the school site, but he just ran out onto the playground. So, so that presented an immediate problem because we didn't know where um, he was going or what he was going to do, and I couldn't just let him hide. And um, I do need to add, because it's an important detail for later in the story, this was close enough to the end of the day where the pickup line was already starting to form. Mm. So he bolts out the door of my office right in full view of the pickup line. So now I'm thinking, all right, a couple things can happen here. I've got experience as a distance runner, so I have no question at all that I will be able to catch the kid. If he doesn't, if he doesn't lose me in the first 100 yards, I'm good. But the problem is, when I catch him, what am I going to do? He's a second grade. I'm not going to pick him up and throw him over my shoulder. I'm not going to put my hands on him in any way. Um, and I'm certainly not going to um, just run around out there chasing him like the guy in um, Bad News Bears and Breaking Training. Remember that movie? No. You don't remember? Okay. We're gonna leave you <laughs> no. Bad News Bears, it's the sequel to it. Um, they were trying to pull the Bears off the field because the time to play the game was out. And Tanner Boyle, the shortstop, didn't want to leave the field. So the umpire goes out, and the umpire's chasing him around the infield. And basically in that situation, the adult always looks like an idiot. I'm not going to be that particular idiot on that particular day. So the other side of it is Foster Dad would have full right to pick the kid up, throw him over his shoulder, do whatever he did. But Foster Dad was a very, very large gentleman. So he shows up. So now we've got this teamwork where I can catch the kid, but I can't do anything when I get there. He can do whatever he wants, but he's not going to catch the kid. And I had told the kid already, don't make me call the school police. And this seven-year-old looked me in the face and said, I ain't afraid of getting tased. I don't know where that came from, but, but, but long story short, we were able to use geometry and angles, and I was able to force the kid into a corner to where foster dad could get him. So that was that, was that, that incident. So yeah. Wow, yeah. I mean, we've had... We've had more than our share, Miss Lewis, of uh, you know involving law, law enforcement here at our site, and it's it's you know it, it, it's it's been interesting because you know I've always, I always say I don't want to have to call the cops on a kid I don't want to, no. you know and so it's always like a last last resort and one thing I appreciate about our officers I think they get that they know that when we call it's not just because Johnny's you know broken his pencil for the no. third time today if, if we call you we legitimately need your help. Um, but there was one particular incident. It's not really funny, but it was one of these situations where we had a kiddo. Um, I think he was in fourth grade at the time, and he did not want to go home at the end of the day because he had gotten in trouble with his teacher, and he was going to have to tell Grandma what he did. And so he he basically came in here in my office and sat there and said, I'm not leaving. I'm not going home. School ends. Buses leave. They're gone. Um, we call Grandma, and so he proceeds to walk out on campus. And so he ends up sitting on a ramp up by one of the portables, and by this time it's two hours after school got out, he just won't leave. Grandma comes, she won't listen to grandma, she won't listen to me, he won't listen to me, he won't listen to anybody. So at this point I'm like, okay, 
it's it's getting dark, <laughs> you know. So I made a call, and I, I believe it was Officer Valencia that came out. And um, the the frustrating part for me was like uh, he gets here, I tell him what's going on. He's like, all right, let's let's go for a walk. So we walk out there to see the student, and he just walks over to the student and talks to him for a minute. How you doing? What's going on today? And the student's not responding. And finally, Officer Valencia goes, okay, well it's time to go. We're gonna walk now. And he just grabs the student by the arm and says, all right, we're going. And the kid kid gets up, <laughs> and they walk out. And in five minutes, they're off my campus. I'm like, what the. <laughs> And, you know, it, it, sometimes, sometimes yeah. it is, right? Because this is a kid who I've worked with for years. I've got a relationship with. I know grandma very well. We've been down this path before. But for whatever reason, on that day, he needed that. And so in the end, I was like, that was the right call. Because we were going to be here forever. He, he wasn't going to budge. But, um, you know, an officer was able to bring it to resolution, but calmly, uh, without injury, without incident. And, uh, you know, everybody went on their separate ways. So that, that's one that sticks in my head, for sure, just because it was so unique. All right, so and now I'm sure in some cases, or maybe not, um, we want to talk about the the coordination between our school police department and the San Bernardino County Sheriff's. At what you know, at what point is it a school police issue, and at what point does it maybe rise above that, and what would lead that to happen? So we work off of an MOU with the Sheriff's Department Memorandum of Understanding. So there's certain things that we have to at least notify them, and they can choose to go with it, investigate it, or just let us know you guys got it. So we're always calling back and forth. I think they call us more than we call them on student issues and what's going on at homes uh, on the weekends, holidays when we're not around. And all week long, we go back and forth. And luckily, well, actually, everybody on our department now are from the Sheriff's Department, Riverside or San Bernardino County. So we have all kinds of ways to communicate back and forth. These guys that are working for us now um, they have brothers and sisters that are in this area, and they call them. We get them on board if we need to. If we're going to do search warrants at a house, we have to notify them. We're going to go hit this house. You guys want to come? Let uh, dispatch know. Or if we're going to a house on an um, allegation of sexual abuse, we have to let them know. And they can say, hey, we're going to take that. Or we may go with you and see what you come up with, and then we'll run with it after that. So it's a it's a constant collaboration with them. So it's kind of a case by case. Case by case. Yeah. You know, incident by incident. Yeah. Who's going to respond? Or often collaborative responses. And yeah. I was curious. So you talked about this. You know, we are kind of like a school hours organization, right? Primarily, you guys work during school operational hours. So I was curious, like things that happen after hours, and it happens to be involving one of our students, or something happens on the weekend. Um, are you guys kept in the loop on those things? And is it often where like they, like Sheriff's Department might roll out because it's on a Saturday night, but on Monday you guys are following up with that family, you guys are doing some extra work? Precisely. And, and uh, at nights, weekends, my phone's always blowing up. I know his phone, he gets called all hours. And then yeah. he lets myself in Valencia know, hey, I just got a call from these guys. We're going to go to the house in the morning or they're going to take the kid to behavioral health. They gave us a heads up. So... Every day we get calls. Nights, weekends, holidays, we're always getting calls. If it's after hours, the Sheriff's Department will write a report and forward that report to us, and we will follow up with it during school hours when the kids come back to, to school, if it's school-related. One of the great things about that is that the Sheriff's Department, they're so busy, they don't have time to do follow-ups with the kid or the families, so we make sure we always go back and do a follow-up. When we know that the police were out there that day, we go back to the house and basically ask the parents, do you guys need anything else? What, what happened out here? What do you need from us? 
and that has worked out very, very well for our, our kids and our families in our district. Another question, what is something that, because I know like we talked in the beginning, your guys, just like us, your guys' role has shifted quite a bit during this pandemic, right? You're not at school sites necessarily, you're out in the community, you're out in the homes. What's something? What's a benefit to that? Or what's something you guys maybe have, have learned doing the work you're doing now that will carry with you once this pandemic is over and you are back on school sites? Well, that's a tough one. What this, uh, during this pandemic, what it's gotten us to realize a little bit more is we're in a lot of people's homes every single day now. Yeah. We are seeing some of the uh, atmospheres that these kids, the home life that these kids are living in. Back when, during pre-pandemic times, we were focused at the school sites and we're generally at the school sites a lot. Now, this brings back kind of the Sheriff's Department days where we're going to these people's houses and we're doing uh, hands-on with these families at their houses. So we see things that might not be right and we're able to involve Child Protective Services or our district social worker. We're giving these families extra resources that are available to them that we wouldn't have known that they needed if we were stuck at the school sites all the time. But us being able to get out and get to these families' houses, we're seeing some additional things that we can address that hopefully help these families out for when we finally do come back to school, things might be better for them and the kids might be in a better environment to learn. All right, so as we wrap up uh, this part of the of the conversation here, um, now would be um, the forum for the two of you. Uh, is there a message that uh, you'd like uh, for our community, uh, especially during this time or moving forward, uh, what would you say to families, uh, students, especially at the junior high or high school level, um, what can they do or how can they better understand the role of our school police department and what, and what can they expect from you? I would like them to understand that, that they can trust us and we pushed out an anonymous phone number or a website that they can connect with us and it's already paid off. Even if they don't want to give their name, they just need somebody to chat with, or they want to um, reach out, they need a mental health counselor to go to them, we can make that happen. Or if they just want one of us to come out to the house and talk about what's going on in their house, that they can trust us with that. We have a uh, perception that we take a lot of kids to jail. We don't take maybe five kids in a, in a whole school year to jail. We just don't work that way. A lot of the things that go on behind the scenes when a, um, one of the, our kids get in trouble is we refer them to probation. We don't take them to jail. We give them a citation to them and their parents, and they go to probation, and they set them up with counseling. Almost always it's counseling. We're going we're gonna to deal with maybe an anger management issue. We're going to get you um, uh, people to talk to, and that's usually it. The kid has fallen off the cracker a little bit, and they need redirection. <laughs> I've actually seen uh, one of our officers actually have to explain that to a parent because the parent the, the parent was there with the kid, and the officer shows up, and the parent says to the kid, I'm going to have this officer take you right to jail. And the officer's there, can we have the kid step out for a minute? And the kid went to the office, and the, and the officer said, we're not going to take your son to jail. <laughs> that probably happens a lot, huh? I mean, I, I've seen that, especially at the elementary level, parents – We'll call you guys out to the house or, or, you know, I've had parents like I'm here and they're like, well, call the police, call the police. And I've had parents, you know, I've called law enforcement at a parent's request because, you know, quite oftentimes their parents, they're just, they don't know what to do. They're, right. they're, they're out of tools. They're, they're frustrated. They're, you know, they, they're, they're doing the best they can with what they have at that moment. But sometimes they just don't know what to do. And it's kind of an act of desperation. Like, well, sure, if they're bringing the guy with the badge, maybe that'll, that'll fix it. That'll work. Right. Absolutely. And our goal isn't to arrest students. I mean, right. kids will right. be kids. Kids make mistakes. Kids are learning. So that's an 
you know, a last resort on everything that we do. But unfortunately, sometimes it does. In that 0.5% of the time, it has to be done. Right. And, you know, I know we said at the beginning of the interview, and we've said it along, um, I know I speak for Eric and myself and for the rest of our administration that we really do appreciate uh, all of you on the on our school police force for all that you, you do to support us. Yes, thank you very much. I'm a man of respect around here. They love me around here. I'm a swell guy. Okay, so now we come to, we're, we're almost to the end, but this is our, what we like to call extra credit question. We like to try to have a little fun with people sometimes. Something silly, something off the wall, something that kind of makes you think. Um, and this is one that uh, Mr. Margaret came up, up with that, that has made me think. So we'll, we'll see how you do with it. Actually, full disclosure, uh, this is something, there's a podcast called the Negative Splits Podcast. It's a running podcast. So uh, this is actually a question they ask a lot. Um, the, the duck horse one. All right, yeah, yeah so so go. here it goes. And so I'm, I'm putting you guys in the hot seat first because I'm still thinking on this one. <laughs> Chief's ready for this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. All right, Chief, so here you go. Would you rather, make sure I don't mess this You're up, right. would you rather <laughs> fight a horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? I typically do better one-on-one. -on -one. Okay. So I would <laughs> okay. go with the one big duck. Okay. I'm typically quicker than most people, so I can run, run if I have to. So you can outrun the horse-sized duck. Yeah. And I, I think yeah. I would be the opposite, actually. I would, I'm a pretty good-sized guy. I think I could just step on a bunch of the ducks because they're smaller, and I think I'd be able to take out a bunch of them and, uh, in no time at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> go ahead, Eric. I, you know, I'm going to reference a movie that, that I'm, I'm going to assume that most of you probably haven't seen. Uh, it's a kid's movie. The movie is called The Borrowers. John Goodman makes an appearance in The Borrowers, I'm pretty sure. Um, but uh, it's a story about these little people that live in houses and, 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 you know, whatever. And there's a scene when John Goodman, he's not a good person. Uh, but the, basically the borrowers, and there's, you know, several hundred of them, they basically tie him up and hog tie him and, and, and strap him down. So for that alone, I'm, I'm going with the chief here. I'm going with the giant duck. I think that, you know, I'd like to think I could probably outrun a duck. I mean, uh, you know, but the little ones that, you know, if they work together, if they're team oriented, I think that they could probably take me pretty quickly. Um, you know, you just get overrun and, you know, you, you're, you're done. Yeah, but they're ducks. Right. You should be able to handle some ducks. Yeah, but a hundred of them? It was like 50? No, no, no. But, but remember, they're, no, they're not ducks. The hundred is, they're horses. They're just the size of ducks. What's a horse going to do to me? Well, that's the thing. And, and I think I'm going to make it a 2-2 two -two split. They have four <laughs> legs. Even if they're small, they yeah, might be yeah. able to catch it. Well, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the 100 the hundred little horses. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hello to our maintenance department outside. Um, it's, it's yard day. Yeah, it's yard day. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I'm going to go with the, the 100 little horses um, because I'm going to assume that they're horses, so they're still going to have the personality of horses. So if I just run into the swarm, kick three, four, five of them, the rest are going to spook. There you go. Right? Aren't, aren't they're just they're just going to bolt. I, I don't see, or they're going to come the other way. But worst case scenario, they're not even knee high on me, so yeah. I can just start start kicking away. Um, I agree with that. Yeah. So so there we go. Then. Yeah, I don't know. Ducks are ducks are small, but they're not that small. You know, if you've ever seen like a group of ducks at a pond, they can be pretty nasty. Uh, it's Those not, are geese. Not, and it's a gaggle, as we learned last episode. <laughs> a gaggle of geese. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, uh, uh, Chief Bach, uh, Chief Bacher. I'm just promoting you, uh, Chief. You know, he just, he just and you out the door, Corporal Bacher, uh, for being with us today. We do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you Thanks much. for having us. Thank you. All right, Carrie. It is that time. What do you got for us in the way of a fact check today? I only have two, surprisingly. So you did pretty well. Or I'm missing a bunch of them. That could happen. <laughs> 
We'll Sorry. have to challenge our listeners to see if they can fact check us. So, I don't think it's reasonable for us to expect you to catch every one of our mistakes. I, I can't even keep up some days, right? So I probably missed quite a few. Okay, so we're going to talk about um, the opening where we're talking about, I believe, broken femurs. Was that it, Yeah, Mr. monkey Moderate? bars. Yes, monkey bars and broken bones. Yes, so we actually have... One that says, a British study showed that the risk of injury of fracture due to a fall from monkey bars was twice, twice the risk for, a, um, for climbing frames and seven times greater than the risk for swings or slides. Wow. So you're confirming that we were accurate in our sponsorship earlier Thank you very much. Well, basically, I thought you had a look on your face that wasn't quite believable, so I thought I should best check to see if Chris I, was I right. Did. And what do you know? I was. <laughs> Mager is right again. Although I did actually, I, I used some artistic license when I said since 1934. I was going to say, you know, that, we did not was, check is. Like, no, that, and that wasn't intended to be factual. That was just, when that was were monkey bars invented? Can we even say when monkey was, bars? Wouldn't it be like, are they like called indigenous primate bars now or oh, something no, like that? No. No. Now I have to I have to interrupt, recognize, and repair what you've done. <laughs> but that's too long of a title. Carriers are whatever she just said. Her. I'm going to move on to the next second fact, fact check. The second fact check has to do with the bad news bears um, breaking training that Mr. Land had not seen before. Still have not seen. Uh, still has not, not seen. Um, but Tanner, the character that you named, that is running around the field. Um, is then chanted and cheered on by not an umpire, right? Okay. Um, the, um, you thought an umpire started yelling, umpire, let them play, no, no, let no, no, them no, play? No, 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 no. I'm going to fact check your fact check. I will take it. I, I believed that it was an umpire that chased Tanner trying to get him off the field. Got it. Right. Okay, so no, that was not the case because we actually watched the video and it was actually two officials but not umpires, so right. stadium officials that were chasing him all over the place before right. the fans started chanting, yep. for those let the them play. For those in podcasts, I'm Carrie used air quotes when she said officials. <laughs> <laughs> we, should have a little, we should have a little air quote sound we effect. Have, we have creative license on that because we're not exactly <laughs> sure what they were officials of. No, they, they were guys in suits. Guys in suits. Yeah. But anyway, on that note, guys, thank you for another great episode. Ladies and gentlemen, please make sure you uh, rate, review, and subscribe to Alone With Our Principles on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, we are on Facebook, so feel free to join us there for links, contests, and other fun. And we'll be adding the QR code for the anonymous reporting that Yes, that that'll be mentioned. on our Facebook this year. This Absolutely. Week. Goodbye. Take care. Bye. Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horns. You've got a real attitude problem, McFly. You're a slacker. So far this semester, he has been absent nine times. I'm the principal, man.